We stand together, shoulder to shoulder, skirt to skirt, like a chain of paper dolls come to see our father's execution. Our hoods are pulled low over our faces, although, in truth, few in the crowd would recognise us without our finery. We grace no coins, no medals or prints, and it is hardly likely any of them would have seen our portraits hanging as they had in the palaces of Whitehall and Hampton Court. A frosted blast of wind whips around my cloak and sends the three nooses hanging from the gallows before me swinging as if the condemned men already danced their deaths. I stare at the gibbet in blank horror. It is a terrible thing, vast and three-sided like a triangle, designed, Father once told me, to hold twenty-four souls at a time. Why did it have to be here? I speak sideways to my sisters. It is somehow worse, much worse, that this is happening at Tyburn, the dirty, eerie crossroads outside London where they hang common felons, highwaymen, thieves, murderers. Parliament settled on treason as the crime, so it should have been the Tower. They wish to make a point, I suppose, Mary answers, some warning against men rising so far above their station. Fear creeps up my back like a spider, and I feel it crawl along my arm and onto Mary's. She shivers against me. We shouldn't have come, I say. Mary stiffens. We were right to come, Francis. Father would want us to be here. We were his soldiers too. Her words conjure images of the russet-coated ironsides of the old days. And as I watch them march through the air, I am surprised again by the resolve Mary has shown in these past days. It used to be me who was the brave one. We are here for Henry too, Bridget says quietly on my other side, her voice breaking over his name. And that is when we hear them coming. A slow drumbeat parts the crowds, and a dragging, catching sound behind it takes me back instantly to my early childhood when the boys drove the ploughs up and down the marshy fields outside Ely. But this is no plough. I know, without turning, that it is a hurdle, a great gnarled gate on which the horses have drawn the prisoners all the way along Hoban. It is a strange route to take from Westminster Abbey, but once again, symbolic, a final pretense that the men had come not from the sanctified chapel of kings, but from Newgate Prison, as most come to Tyburn. The crowd begins to swell forward, nudging us closer to the scaffold. I smile in the sudden memory of what my brother-in-law Charles had reported father saying to General Lambert the day their great army marched north to fight the Scots. When Lambert had remarked on the cheering, massing throng, waving and wishing them success, father had quipped that the crowd would be as noisy to see him hang. How right he was. But as I peer from beneath my hood at the faces around me, I realise that father was only partly right. As many are here to see him hanged, it is true, but they are not cheering and bustling as they had been to see him lead his army. Nor are they laughing, drinking and pinching each other with the holiday mood that I understand usually accompanies public hangings. They are solemn, watchful, nervous. For this is no ordinary execution. This crowd has come to witness something grotesque, an act outside the conventions of normal society a violation of God's law, a performance of pure, visceral vengeance by their so-called Merry Monarch. 
This would be a traitor's death for men beyond the reach of the law, beyond the reach even of the king, a second death for men already with God. For these prisoners are already dead. They are not living men that the hangman and his assistants now unstrap from the hurdle and haul upright to stand, propped awkwardly beneath each noose, wrapped in their death shrouds. They are corpses, disturbed from their consecrated sleep, taken from their allotted square of earth, robbed from their Christian graves. John Bradshaw, president of the court that tried the young Charles Stuart's father, the tyrant King Charles. Henry Ireton, Bridget's husband, and the fiercest, cleverest man in father's army. And father, Lord Protector of the Commonwealth, Oliver Cromwell. At the sight of Henry, Bridget's hand creeps into mine, and I think how, though she had taken a long time to accept Henry as a suitor, she had grown to love him deeply. Something in the gesture, in the childlike feel of her small hand in mine. Her, my big, brave sister, so much older than me, so strong, so sure of herself and of her nearness to God, breaks me.